you, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> You're listening to Salt Lake Dirt. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Today, I welcome filmmaker Cameron S. Mitchell to the show. Cameron's documentary short film, Elsa, will be playing at the 2023 Slam Dance Film Festival. Elsa is about a deafblind fencer and author. Uh, incredible documentary. I'm a fan of Cameron's. Uh, I love his work. I did an interview with him a couple years ago uh, about his film, The Co-op, which was one of my favorite short film films from 2021. Uh, definitely one that stayed with me. So I was I was thrilled to find out he had a new one playing up at Slam Dance this year. Uh, Elsa will be playing as part of the Unstoppable Shorts section up at Slam Dance, and you can uh, view it Friday, January twentieth at seven fifteen at the Treasure Mountain Inn up in Park City, or if you are in Salt Lake, uh, Wednesday, January twenty fifth at five ten p.m. at the Student Union Theater at the University of Utah. Also, between January 23rd and the 29th, you can watch all Slam Dance films on demand if you have a Slam Dance channel subscription, which is $7.99 a month. Okay, let's get to it and talk about Elsa with Cameron S. Mitchell on the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. Well, yeah, Cameron, thanks so much for joining me today. This is uh, exciting to you know, to speak with you finally, I've been a fan of your work for a couple of years since I saw the co-op. And then when you reached out and told me you had a new film, Elsa, playing at Slam Dance 2023, which will be in person this year. I was super excited. Um, yeah, thanks for, for chatting with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, it's a it's a huge honor to, you know, this will be the first film festival, I think, that I've ever shown at twice. Um, oh, wow. So- for it to be slam dance is just like you know mind blowing. Yeah, you don't hear about that often. Like that's really that's really amazing. And in like such a short, like just a two year. It was two years ago, right? Yeah, because I when you know after the co op got in, I joined Slam Dance as a programmer and a mm-hmm. juror for the next year. Um, and then you know to to try and go for it, I had to recuse myself mm-hmm. uh, to submit again. Um, and so it was taking a gamble. Um, and also the producer, Julia Munez, uh, had to recuse herself as well. Um, cause she was also, she had also joined slam dance as a programmer. Um, and you know, we were kind of like, we're going to go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're gonna, you know, pull back, uh, for a sec and try to come back to it as filmmakers. And it's just so exciting to, to get to come back and now in person because, mm-hmm. You know, as you know, uh, in 2020, it was uh, remote and uh, everything got canceled. Even they had a Joshua Tree event that got canceled. So, uh, yeah, just uh, we're excited to get to go to Park City for the first time uh, in person as filmmakers. Yeah, you're going to love it. It's it's such a blast. I think um, that's what I, I felt so bad for filmmakers at all the different festivals I covered uh, that, you know, they got into a great festival, but it was you know, a detachment there on some level because you were, you know, just looking at a screen in your <laughs> where you live. But I think at least with me and I've talked to other people who cover films, I think one thing I really got from that that pandemic 
air a couple festivals is I got really focused on the short films where I hadn't really been. Um, I've always liked short films, but I, it was always kind of randomly in what, whatever was paired with the, the, the feature I was seeing at the time. So this, you know, kind of opened the door for me being more aware of short films and wanting to see, like seeking them out as I hadn't really done before. So I, I, I think I'm excited that we'll be in person, but then you, they're also doing the virtual component as well. So people can, you know, watch everything on demand. Uh, so you get, a, you get, you know, the best of both worlds right there. So, uh, I guess just let's start talking about the film itself. Elsa, uh, it's a it's a PBS documentary short, and I yeah it, it's super fascinating. Uh, deafblind fencer and author. Uh, I'm very curious how the film came about, how you met Elsa, and how you got her to participate in this project. Yeah. Um... Well, it was uh, very serendipitous uh, how it all kind of came together because you know me, you're familiar with my work. I, I kind of try to subvert um, expectations in the fil- the realm of film uh, and in cinematography through the lens of disability. Um, as someone who's grown up, I grew up in a, a family of disabled people. Um, it, we call it an interdependent uh, family. Um, and you know, my, my parents are disability studies professors. So I kind of, from a young age, I was being put in their films and books, um, and, you know, having those types of conversations at the dinner table. So it's just this, uh, way of looking at the world that's kind of like thoroughly ingrained in me as a filmmaker. And I can't help, but, you know, think of different ways to express that and portray it. Um, so, you know, when I, I'm a, I'm a member of several organizations like disability, uh, film organizations, um, and FWD doc is, is one of them. Um, and there was an opportunity with a very tight timeline to make a film for PBS as a part of their, um, Helen Keller project. Um, and they wanted to do something different. Um, they, you know, didn't, you know, they, uh, the, basically the way I, I pitched it was, um, you know, we only know of Helen Keller as like the only deaf blind individual that ever existed, uh, for some, some, whatever reason right. yeah. or another. And so we wanted to get a, a new role model in there. We wanted to look at someone else who could model like the myriad different ways that deaf blindness can be manifested. Because um, I think that's one you know really interesting thing about deaf blindness is it's the intersection of deafness and blindness. Um, so there's literally like you know it's like snowflakes. There's no two uh, you know versions of deaf blindness that are exactly alike. Um, and, you know, uh, getting introduced to Elsa was just like, you know, that was the, the, the bottom, like the main goal, but then, you know, Elsa is also in disability studies. And so her and I were just having all of these incredibly philosophical, uh, complex conversations, uh, about disability representation and portrayal and, uh, macro concepts of how disability applies to the world as well as micro concepts, um, and so that's kind of how the film Elsa was born was, you know, uh, Elsa didn't really know where I was going with it. Um, she just kind of trusted me and, uh, you know, we had a conversation, we had several conversations and, you know, we flew out to Seattle and we shot it in a weekend. Oh, wow. Uh, we 
we shot it in two days. Wow. Uh, and we did the interview on the second day, which mm. is unusual because usually you want to do the interview first, you know, so you know what you're filming. But, um, you know, we did we had a preliminary phone call with Elsa, Julia and I. And, you know, we basically got to work and started writing a script, like inspired by that phone call, like, okay, what would this film look like? So we were kind of like constructing it and then shooting to concept and and hoping that, you know, this was going to match, that our conversation would hit all of those points. And it, and it did, you know, and I think that speaks kind of volumes about because we you always hear like, disability isn't a monolith and you know no two disabled people are alike or no two people even are mm -hmm. alike but like there was a shared experience there a shared creative experience and also just how we went through disability as a creative endeavor you know it wasn't a sob story it wasn't something mm -hmm. that was supposed to create you know just apathy um and i you know i that's what i think elsa the film succeeds at the most is it plants you in that position uh, of of Elsa's, you know, uh, perspective in her life. I love that. And uh, like, you know, you're in your director's statement, you said something to the effect of um, like you want to represent disabled individuals without fetishizing them. And, you know, I think I that's just great because and with this film and with your with with the co-op, uh, it, it just kind of unravels like a whole new perspective that I think is so important for people to see. And especially like, you know, you grew up around this world, so you're very hyper aware of it. And I think, you know, from, from your films and then other films I've been seeing, like over the, even just the last few years, I really feel like it's, everything's kind of moving in the right direction. And um, yeah, I think like the fact that PBS was, you know, open to having something like this i mean they always do great things but still this is just outstanding and um very yeah very cool that it's at slam dance again i i'm just kind of curious about your background um as far as a filmmaker goes like when did you become like wh where are you from uh when did you start getting interested into film i i noticed your so you're the director but you're also the dp and producer so the dp part was what uh, you know interest me you don't see a ton of people uh and and who pull it off well i should say so I, i'm curious about just when did you get interested in film where you're from and how you kind of got to where you are now I, I saw i think on instagram yesterday you posted a uh, a story where you know you're coming getting prepared for the cold weather here up in park city and um uh i forgot what i was gonna say but yeah you're just you're getting prepared and I think, oh, yeah, that's what it was. You 10 years of working on films. And it's just kind of cool that, it, you know, stuff is really happening right now, it seems like. So, yeah. Tell us yeah. about yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, wow. Well, you, there were a lot of superlatives in there. Um, and, you know, thank you so much <laughs> for the kind kind words. Um yeah, it's, it, it, it's funny, like, you know, in the rigmarole of all of this, it's like, uh, you can get glimpses of people, right? But you never truly fully know them. So this is another example of that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was born in Marquette, Michigan. And, um, you know, for the first, I would say, eight, nine years of my life, I, I grew up in, you know, the UP in very snowy territory. Um, 
And I was so like, you know, the Michigan woods and the snow were like kind of like, you know, the canvas for my creativity. Like I remember once when I was very young, I built an igloo underground. So I built like an underground tunnel that led into oh, that's awesome. you know, open <laughs> space. And I, I sent electricity down there. I like wired like a, <laughs> a TV uh, and yeah, very dangerous. Yeah, um, I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, so I kind of always had this like creative spark, you know, um, and kind of working with what was in front of me. And I think that that naturally carried into the realm of documentary film and also just cinematography and uh, visually lensing things. Um, you know, I mentioned my folks put me in their films. So like uh, there's a film they have called The World Without Bodies, where we go to Germany um, and we visit a uh, a Nazi uh, death camp, uh, a T4 center. Uh, and you see me and my sister there and we're just kind of along for the ride, you uh-huh. know. Um, and, you know, my, my folks also wrote about me in one of their most famous pieces, Narrative Prosthesis, where they use my obsession with the toy soldier as an example of like disability as prosthesis, because the, 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 the tin soldier uh, has a disability and that kind of moves the narrative forward of that piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like kind of crazy how integrated my my life is with this. Um, and, you know, I think I have my parents to thank a lot for just like keeping me in that space. Uh, I remember, you know, after Michigan, we moved to Chicago and we went to um, we were always participating in like, these protests and things like that. And we went to a, um, a Jerry Lewis uh, protest event because uh, disabled people weren't very happy with how Jerry Lewis was portraying them and in and chi- and children's disabled mm-hmm. bodies and basically profiteering off of them and not using that money for anything good or that the community actually wanted. Oh, wow. Uh, And so I was at the front of the picket line with like 20 wheelchairs around me. And I was just this little kid and the security guard pointed at me and he's like, you, I want you, I'm going to get you. (laughs) That was like a big moment for me of just being like, okay, I can no longer just be an observer and and a ride along in Mm -hmm. this, Um, you know, uh, like I can't just show up and support. I have to say something. And that was, I must've been like nine years old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know, uh fast forward to you know we i we were an academic family so we we kind of moved around to whatever university my folks taught at um and we landed in philly um and uh temple university and so that's where i got my undergrad degrees uh, both in film and visual anthropology um and so i studied moving camera there uh under michael kudemeyer I also got to meet Garrett Brown, the inventor of the Steadicam, through a project that I directed for the Philadelphia Film Office through Temple. Um, And that kind of set the gears in motion uh, because I remember being a freshman in college and like I I was I was uh, undeclared and then or or first I was declared a psychology and then I went undeclared and Mm -hmm. then I was you know, I took a couple electives in visual anthropology and I was like, this is a really fascinating field. Um, And it kind of, again, resonated with this like 
wanting to just observe what was in front of you and to really stay in the moment of wherever it is that you, that I was um, and understand it and, and dissect it. You know, I just always had that uh, kind of feeling and film really allowed me to slow things down. Right. Um, and, and so I, I went to India as a part of one of the visual anthropology electives I took. <laughs> I made uh, one of my first documentary films, Mehul the Music Man, which followed a, uh, a, a sitar teacher who practiced Hinduism, Christianity, Islam, um, very just a very different person, uh, very uh, unusual and off the grid. Um, and I came back and I, I declared you know, visual anthropology. And then I also uh, started taking film classes. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, like moving camera, different things pushed me in that way. And then when I graduated in 2013, and that's why I said, I, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years because I mm -hmm. see that moment as being like pushed into the quote unquote real world or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, you know, not just being a student, not mm -hmm. being you know just like a kid of two uh, disability studies professors. Um, you know, I, I started freelancing and I've been full time freelance ever since. So it's this year marks the decade that I've been in the industry working as a local 600, uh, uh, you know, member of this International Cinematographers Guild mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, as a camera operator, as a DP. Um, you know, I've gone so many places since that moment. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my backstory. And then you can look up my IMDB to see all the things that yeah, I've worked. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, where, <laughs> where are you based out of right now? So I'm in upstate New York in Albany. Okay. Uh, so the cold weather is familiar. Okay, uh, good. That's what I, I always like. People always ask me like, well, what do we got to do? Like what the LA people, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Yeah, I actually had a question for you. Like, yeah. so people just do Q and A's in their like jackets and snow yeah. boots. And yeah, stuff. yeah, that's the that's the kind of nice thing. thing that, like, it kind of levels the playing field. Uh, you know, especially at Slam Dance, everyone's kind of dressed like how I'm dressed <laughs> right now, like a beanie or, you know, just their. Yeah, I don't. You don't really see people dress up, which is kind of the. I think it's kind of a cool thing uh, about about the two festivals up there. Um, but yeah, slam down. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's just because Sundance, I love Sl Sundance, but it has become so big. It's, it's really difficult to get around to the different theaters in park city. And then there's a lot in Salt Lake city now. Uh, but it's just, it's a lot of waiting, a lot of like, you don't know, there's too many, there's so many people, but slam dance, you go up there, it's just that one location, filmmakers uh audience members are all kind of intermingling press is all there so it's like you really get to meet like the best people i've met at at these things is up in that one like concentrated area up where slam dances so it's it's very at the, cool at the treasure mountain yeah inn. at the treasure mountain inn yeah uh so it, yeah it's it's a blast i guess i guess we kind of touched on it but like is there anything like what are you looking forward to most about this experience. I know it's, you know, maybe not, it's hard and maybe not the best to project, but just like, how can you not? Like it's, it's, it's a huge deal. What are you looking forward to the most? What are you excited about? 
Well, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, I've only, it's only a figment in the imagination of my filmmaker brain what Slam Dance is like <laughs> yeah. at, at this point in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year is a really important year for Unstoppable, the the program that my film is in, because it's the first ever in-person screening of Unstoppable, because Unstoppable was literally birthed during COVID. It's just how it worked out. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't think I so- knew that. Yeah. So and also um, the filmmakers uh, really fought for to get to make sure that we were in Park City. Like Park City is not accessible from mm-hmm. what I hear. Yeah. Uh, it's icy. It's cold. The altitude. Yeah. You know, there's a myriad of things. Um, and so, you know, I think Slamdance really uh, approached this head on and they were like, you know what, like. Yeah, like this is, you know, this is kind of like, uh, I've always looked at it like this is what disability activism is. Like Mm -hmm. literally traveling places with my family is a problem always, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of just go to places you're not supposed to be expecting pushback, you know, expecting difficulty because otherwise it's like, what are you going to do? Stay home, you know, watch it from your computer. Um, And so, you know, I think, um, you you know, the park city, the fact that Unstoppable has screenings in Park City and Salt Lake City, yeah, that is because there's also screenings. So, Elsa will screen opening night on the 20th, uh, at, you know, in, in Treasure Mountain Inn at like 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have a screening at the University of Utah in the Student Union Theater on January 25th at 5 p.m. Yeah, and you know, so like. That that University of Utah uh, is is fully accessible, yeah, and not as dangerous and rigorous as you know Park City is. Um, so I, I appreciate you mentioning that you know the Salt Lake venues mm-hmm. are getting attention and uh, getting used because I think that ultimately, like the future of this is that it expands beyond mm-hmm. just Park City. Um, we you know we can have it. We can have it all, right? Yeah, uh, sure. Oh, <laughs> why not? No, that's uh, great. That's great. Like when when I because I I've been going to the festival off and on for I would say twenty years, and it's always been up there with with Sundance. I you know when I first started going to Sundance when I was just like junior senior in high school, I could park at one of the hotels near Main Street and just walk to everything, and now I have to you know I drive up from Salt Lake, drive up the canyon. And I park at a park and ride that's only a few miles away, but it takes a full hour to get up to slam dance from the park and ride. So I have to like plan all this time to make sure I'm get, getting there. So it, it's slowly become more, yeah, like um, inaccessible, you know, over time. So just because of the, it, the park city's not designed to accommodate that many people you'll see, but it, it's still incredible. It, it's a blast. And um like I said, I love that it's kind of like it's on Main Street, but it's like cut off at the very end. Like there's basically nothing beyond Treasure Mountain Inn that you would walk up to. So everything is kind of downhill. But yeah, it's icy. So be. <laughs> should, I, should I bring a sled? Would bring a sled. sled. <laughs> bring a, <laughs> well, I, we'll go ice blocking. That's a big thing here in Utah. <laughs> you get on an uh, ice block and oh, like, <laughs> cruise down a hill. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm super excited. I think I'm going to be able to make the uh university of utah event because i live pretty close to the u so i'm I'm gonna try to get up there but i'll be up there opening weekend up in park city 
as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. And uh, I think you're, you're going to have a blast. You're going to meet so many uh, incredible people up there. So this is like, yeah, super exciting. Um, anything else you want to add as we kind of wrap up here? Uh, I'm excited that we, yeah, we went, we went longer than I had planned, but I think this is perfect because uh, we're going to put you on the radio show version tomorrow. It fits in just perfect. So I'll send you links to all that. Oh, but, cool. Yeah. Anything you want to add? Um, I get, yeah. So Elsa opening night, Friday, January 20th at seven 15, um, treasure mountain Inn, and then it's in Salt Lake city. That's, is that Wednesday, January 25th? Yeah. sounds right. Okay. I, I, I need to get the days of the week straight I'll, here. <laughs> I'll put the link. Yeah, I know, man. Um, I'll put links to it and yeah. So yeah. Anything else as we kind of finish up, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I would just say like, you know, and we, we can pick this up in another conversation, but I've always appreciated your attention to detail in cinematography and film history. Well, thanks. Um, and Elsa is very much a piece that thinks about where the camera is mm -hmm. and, and how the camera interacts with the subject. Um, and so I would love to have a longer conversation For someday. Sure. About the evolution of camera placement and movement, you know, because... Oh. That would be so much there. <laughs> yeah, that would be great, man. So either like, you know, just you and me over Zoom or, or in person, or I would love to have you back on the show. We could do a full hour and have you on and talk about stuff like that. That would be fun. You know, because I've been thinking because, you know, my top film of this year is Nope, uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. Yeah, and yeah. How he places that the you the UFO perspective in that film, yeah, and just like the how ingrained it is in film history, it made me think like, wow, he's kind. There's kind of like an homage to like eight and a half here, mm -hmm. and Fellini, and the you know the way that the camera will just float above traffic and and come out of the universe, right? Um, and I'm sure that some of that was intentional. But like I was think I you know I was kind of like thinking about that while shooting Elsa like where can I put a camera mm -hmm. uh, and also never holding Elsa up like always letting her carry you should have seen, like some some of the BTS of this is great <laughs> I am like like running my ass off to keep up <laughs> with this deaf blind woman who is using her you know her cane yeah. and just like you know rolling through Seattle which is incredibly hilly yeah uh, and, and picturesque and beautiful and rainy and all of these things. Um, and, you know, really was thinking about, um, you know, first of all, like shooting slow motion, make, making sure the camera was nimble mm -hmm. uh, and the lighting was nimble. You know, we, our primary light for the fencing stuff was an aperture 300 D on a menace arm. Oh, so wow. not, not easy to set up. No, no one, but once it's up, you can kind of move it around wherever it needs to be. Um, and those were kind of like uh, there were cinematography thoughts mm -hmm. as well as accommodation thoughts, you know, um, and another thing that was interesting about the project. And I really haven't told anyone else this. I'm just telling you this because yeah. I know you can have no, this is I love this stuff. I love it. Yeah. Um, but the uplighting on the walls, like if you notice, there's like this reddish uplighting uh, uh -huh. in the back in the fencing scenes that was in part for her because the way her eyes work and the way she explained it to me it's like if there's not enough light it kind of is like uh the aperture breaks on your camera you know oh, so wow. it was like a visibility guide mm -hmm. and, and i was able to figure out how to design that stylistically as well to make this the fencing you know really engrossing and yeah. and, and 
So that's yeah, wild. A- I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch it tonight. That's a that's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. But, uh, we could talk for hours here. So oh, I'll- I'm sure we could. Yeah. So you're welcome back anytime. Um, I'd love to have you on down the road, and we maybe we could talk about like the actual slam dance experience because it, it you know it's it's amazing, but it's chaotic. So many people. Um, you're kind of disjointed in a in a good way. Um, but yeah, man, I will see you up there, and I'll I'll look for you. I'll I'll, I'll um. I'll make sure we we meet in person. But thank you so much for being on the show, Cameron S. Mitchell. Uh, this was a, a pleasure. The film is Elsa. I'll put links to everything so people can, you know, find out where to see it. And uh, good luck at Slam Dance. It's going to be great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Looking forward to meeting you. Maybe grabbing a drink or something. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that'd be great. All yeah. right. Take care. Yeah. You too.